Okay, let's go. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate having you here. I'm R.A. McGee. We got plenty of interesting things to talk about this week, but before we start, I have to introduce the the dais because they're the ones that have all the answers. The what's another good word for you guys? Cognoscenti is that a word? Cognoscenti? Mm. No, right. I don't think it is. I, I'm. <laughs> we're gonna fact check this uh, first. We're gonna switch it up a little bit, you know, because I think they're getting too comfortable being introduced in a certain order. <laughs> Ooh. So the first person this week I'm gonna introduce is the author of a bunch of stuff. And she's really smart. Pippa Warner. That's oh, false advertising, but okay. <laughs> Listen, you have to hype products up before you give them to people. Okay. You can't, <laughs> you can't stop me from doing that. Next, the guy with the best hat in all of Hawaii, Mr. Nick Dacker. Oh, he I is, had to talk. I forgot we're not doing a video. So. No, it's cool. He is raising the roof. <laughs> I'm raising the roof over that here. You guys missed that. And uh, finally, but not least, uh, we've got Mr. Uh, Mr. Jim Heskett looking mighty warm in his uh, hoodie today. So it's congrats. cold today. Hello, Internet. It's me, Jim Heskett. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> now, one second. I heard that. Cognoscenti. Cognoscenti. Ha! Cognoscenti. Noun. People who are considered to be especially well-informed about a particular subject. Gosh, so, if we didn't know the word, are we allowed to be You Yes. <laughs> yes, because I deem you guys the cognoscenti. You're the only reason anybody listens to this show. So now that we've just ro- – I've talked around in a circle for five minutes. Why it's don't cute. we – you think somebody watches, listens to the show? I, it's not cute, sir. It's masculine. It's a handsome. It's handsome that I think people people <clears throat> listen to the show. Uh, Nick, you ready to cue up our awesome music Ooh. jingle? I like that you gave me a cue because that was that, – that's needed. Uh, yes, <laughs> I am ready. Are you ready? I, I'm ready when you are, sir. Let's okay. go. That jingle will never get old. It's amazing. Amazing. All right. So our first story this week, maybe you guys can uh, tell me what I am about to say means. Got an email from Amazon saying that Kindle is changing formats, that they have listened to our feedback and they're making it simpler to publish eBooks on Kindle. Uh, starting in June of 2021, they will no longer support files in the Mobi, PRC, or AZK formats when publishing uh, new refillable eBooks and updating content for previously published eBooks. <laughs> Instead, we're asking publishers to use EPUB, KPF, or Doc, DocX files. So, Jim, what yes. does all of this mean? Because there's a lot of letters that I don't understand. <laughs> well, Moby is uh, Amazon's proprietary ebook format, and I think it's just an adapted EPUB. So that's why you could still upload EPUBs. But EPUB is the the the, um, the readable document format standard for pretty much everybody except for Amazon, Kobo, uh, you know, the the Nook, and all those other devices. They all and any EPUB is is a universal format, so you can 
you could basically upload any kind of ebook to everything except for Kindle. What the reason why Amazon is not supporting Mobi's uploaded anymore? That's a little curious. Um, I mean, I don't think that they're going to stop supporting Mobi because there's hundreds of thousands or millions of old Kindles out there that if they people wouldn't be able to get their books anymore if Amazon wasn't supporting Mobi. But I don't know, maybe they're trying to rework their proprietary Mobi format into something else. And so they just want a standardized file type to upload. Well, so isn't it true that when you when you buy a book uh, in Mobi format, it's actually not in Mobi format on the Kindle. It's They kind of convert it to something else already, like AZW or something? Um, yeah, I know that that was true. I, I've heard that before. That's definitely been true. When I've sideloaded on things onto my Kindle, um, basically because I had to change the lock screen from the guy sitting under the tree to a guy sitting under the tree with like a dinosaur about to eat him. Um, I spent a whole day doing that once because it was just really important to me that I get that as my lock screen. Sure. Anyway, so I discovered all kinds of cool things about the Kindle. Like um, uh, they're not Mobi files when they exist on the Kindle device. They're some other format anyway. So, I, I mean, my guess is that this is an easier move than, um, than, than we think and that they, they basically are already doing this in some sense. I don't know. Yeah, they're already accepting the other file types. So it it may be just they don't want to keep updating the Mobi software. Yeah, it kind of feels a little bit like a now. like a VHS Betamax war, doesn't it? Like they tried their Mobi thing and then they were like, well, EPUB, EPUB has some cool features too. Maybe we'll just let them win. Yeah, because at some point it's just not worth it for them to be putting their development team on that. Especially if the majority of things are coming on in EPUB now. Because right. Vellum stopped uh, supporting Mobi, I think, months and That's months ago. What it was. I remember. I was going to say I remember this news, but I, I think it was Vellum instead. I mean, I know. Yeah, now that you're saying it, I know it's Vellum, not Amazon saying it. But they changed their 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 thing as well. They're spitting out. I guess it's a Mobi wrapper, but it's essentially an EPUB file in it or something like that. Well, they took away Mobi and then they gave us it back. Uh, oh, okay. Because now EPUB is the standard, but it will also spit out a Mobi because people like me complained to Vellum. Hmm. I think it's just you. I think you're the. It might have been me. Yeah, it, been <laughs> it, was a, it was a very strongly worded email. They. It's just one agreed. email, but it's Jim Haskin, and it's very strongly worded. <laughs> it's Jim well, Haskin it from strongly, the internet. That's what it I wasn't strongly worded. Saying. It was just that it was in all caps. He was actually quite nice in the email. He said, "Please give us this back," but it was all capitalized and bold. Screaming into the void. I love it. This reminds me of how I got my books taken down from FNAC back when in the day when I was trying, which was just to send an email in abysmal French, such mm. abysmal French that they never wanted to have to read it again. They were just like, mm. okay, we will. That's a good idea. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> All right. Good times. So basically, uh, this should shouldn't be too hard for anyone to keep uh, getting their books formatted properly and uploaded. So we won't worry too much, but it was just interesting. I'm glad you guys got to talk about some of these things because I still don't know what any of that meant. Okay, so the next story we have comes to us from uh, the passive voice and uh, passive guy has kind of an interesting article and I'm not really meaning this to be doom and gloom, although it can kind of seem like that a little bit. Uh, this is more of uh, just kind of uh, looking at how the largest retailer that most of us partner with 
uh, kind of uh, is doing business and how they're making things happen uh, all the time in new spaces. So this is about Amazon. The title of it is How Amazon Wins, uh, colon, by Steamrolling Rivals and Partners. And uh, it's essentially kind of walking us through how Amazon came to prominence and the markets that they kind of took over as they went culminating down here in 2020 uh, they're talking about you know 400 billion dollars worth of prescription medicine that they're uh supposedly moving moving along with so you know my question is you know what do you guys think about this do you think that this is you think that this is something that that we should be kind of paying attention to right amazon's practices is any of this uh gonna cause any kind of heartburn for for authors because you know we've got uh, one of the paragraphs here says that, you know, some rivals and partners say that Amazon's uh, competitive zeal looks like unfair practices. And, uh, you know, it's just there's just a lot of weirdness. You know, there's a lot of weirdness. And Amazon themselves say that when you start selling on Amazon, you become part of a retail destination. that's home to sellers of all kinds. And so since we're part of this ecosystem, you know, we kind of got to keep an eye out on what's happening. So what do you guys think about this article? There's a lot going on here. Maybe you can unpack some of it for me. Uh, well, I'd say there's certainly something that Amazon is probably aware of and is uh, very carefully not saying in any of the the antitrust hearings, which is that behavior that is fine from a small player in the market is disproportionately uh, dangerous from the largest player in the market. So them behaving in the same way as everyone else is not the same thing. So if they're aping... Uh, a competitor's product and saying, uh, so this is talking about tripods, I think. Mm. If they're doing the, they have all of the data on what makes the best tripods and then they can put out the the tripods with the exact search terms and make sure they've got the the best shipping data and, you know, whatever the, the case may be. That's both different and it's um, from someone else doing it. And they also have a, a high data leg up on everyone else. Um, that said, I I may be lacking in imagination. I can't imagine how this would specifically uh, track back to us because I feel like they already tried to do a whole bunch of publishing houses and those haven't gone much of anywhere. Yeah, I guess uh, to you guys, if they have this constant iteration of kind of working with people and then aping or, or kind of taking their ideals and, and moving them to the next level, you know, how long is it before they really turn their attention towards, uh, towards authors and like an actual publishing house, you know, more than say, uh, what do they have? Thomas True and Mercer and, and True North and stuff yeah. like that. Um, they already are right. I mean, they, they have those publishing houses and I don't think they're naive at all to think that there's money to be made as authors um, and, and the publishers who back those authors. Um, I'm trying to recall what it was because I want to link to it in the show notes, but there was just something that I saw like yesterday, maybe. Maybe it was on Facebook somewhere where somebody, uh, was it Alex Newton from the K-Lytics, the K-Lytics guy? He sent an email out and uh, was talking about, um, you know, if you do the math, if you go to just an Amazon Kindle um, category and then search the books that show up, there's like 17 of them. Uh, or something like he he gave the numbers um, that that are 
that are there in like 40, basically 41% of all the books um, are, uh, are uh, ads for sponsored ads for something. Um, I'm, I'm tripping over my words. I'm trying to remember what it said, but I think the, the, the idea was that um, you have to pay to play. Right. And so that's, I think um, one of the side effects, not the only um, effect, but one of the side effects of Amazon getting into the publishing game um, is where that in order to compete with Amazon, who can just make the rules, um, you're going to have to pay money to advertise your books. Does that ring a bell for anybody or am I just uh, a complete idiot? I was trying to think of the article so I could link to it, but never mind. I don't remember right. it, but that does not make you a complete idiot. Those, those two don't. <laughs> I no, there's, there's, other, there's other things. There's other <laughs> things too. that have yeah. made you an idiot. Not that though. Not that though. Okay. No, That's you're fair. good, brother. You're good. But to answer Jim, your question, you- yeah, I think I think it's um, I think they may have already done that. I don't know. I don't know that they're going to turn their attention to authors yet. I mean, I think they they already have as much as they they are barring anything massively different coming up from them, if that makes sense. And so would you, would you, I'm sorry, Pippa. Um, would you say that them kind of, uh, the first salvo for them is the, the way that they're running the ads and kind of just skimming that, that large amount of money off the top rather than make a full publishing house or in conjunction with each other, you think we're going to see that in the future or what? Well, I guess what I'm saying is Amazon um, is a store, and and I think they're going to hold true to that. I don't think they're going to change into a publishing house because right now they can make money as a publisher. They have all these imprints, and also from authors like us who are self-published. Um, they they can they can have their hand in both pots, right? So they can basically make a lot more money than they could, uh, in my opinion, if they just said no, we're Amazon Publishing, because then by definition they would have to turn down some authors that they would not, you know, publish. Therefore, they wouldn't get money from those people. So I don't think we're talking about Amazon turning into a publishing company. No, right? I think in the, in the same sense that they're they're copying other people's. Um, yeah. Uh, like I have a backpack right here that was a Kickstarter, and and it's an Amazon Basics now because they just copied it, and I'm sure they paid them off. I think that's the story, right? They give them a bunch of money, but there's a threat inherent in that as well, where they say, "Give it to us for this price, or we will basically just make it invisible in the search engines." Yeah. Um, I think with, so that's gross, obviously. Um, (laughs) uh, But with publishing, I think they've found that them putting more money and effort into it isn't necessarily getting them more back. Mm. And so getting people to pay for the ads, getting skimmed profits off of, you know, them being the host for all of the eBooks is, and having the small publishing eprints with already, verified authors is kind of the most they seem to want to do at this point. Mm. Jimothy, you got anything? Well, this article reminds me again, why I have a love hate relationship with Amazon. Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, this article is about them potentially using their position and data unfairly because, you know, like I think Amazon doesn't care whether they're selling books or tripods or, um, or uh, air conditioners like McDonald's is a real estate company. Amazon is a data company. And I don't think they really care about their products. They really just care about getting the credit card number of everyone on the planet. That's their main goal. Um, and I both love and hate them for that. So that's, <laughs> mm. yes. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, they're, they're true to who they are. Um, like I said, they're a storefront. And like, I think Jim said it even better, more succinctly that they're a data company. 
I, I mean, the last thing I'll say about it, like, I, I don't, I think the future for Amazon in the book space in the author space is not to publish more books, but to find more readers for those books. Um, that's why we have Kindle Unlimited. You know, it's not for authors. They didn't feel bad and want to pay us per page read. You know, they they designed this program to get more people in the door, like Jim said, to get their credit card information. But um, it, it, if you have all these authors over here trying to sell books, um, Amazon's job then is to find the customers for those books. And so new markets, you know, new countries opening up, Kindle stores and things like that. That's, I think, what is going to come down um, the pike from Amazon. Hmm. I think you guys are all right. That's why you are the experts. Okay, let's go to story number three. Now, this is kind of a this is kind of a little a little different take on things. Uh, if anyone's not familiar with Dean Wesley Smith, uh, he's always got a lot of stuff to say. A lot of it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I like his take on things. Uh, traditionally published author of I don't know a couple of hundred books and. Now he does a really good job with the indie side of things. And he's got an article out here called Making a Living with Short Fiction in 2021. And so I would think that that's a little, uh, it's a little novel or maybe a little like antithetical to what most of us do. You know, we put out full length books and and try to get paid accordingly. But he's got a, he's got a system here where he's, you know, putting out, uh, a significant amount of short stories uh, for himself. And then he's, you know, charging for all of these and things like that. And, you know, the, it looks like it makes sense in here what I'm reading. And so I'm wondering if you guys would ever consider something like that, or do you see like maybe a flaw in his plan? Or do you think that that's a viable way uh, to make some decent money? What do you guys think? Well, Dean Wesley Smith, he this is the same guy who once said don't use beta readers because nobody knows your book better than you which is great advice for someone who's been writing for 10 or 15 years but not great advice for someone who's new i mean despite the kind of clickbaity title he he goes into detail in the article basically about how difficult it would be to make a living doing that not for him because you know he publishes like an 80,000 world ma- 80,000 word magazine every single month um but I, uh, Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut said he liked short fiction, writing short fiction better because he got paid quicker. Mm. Um, and I like short fiction as a little palate cleanser, you know, between big projects or if I want to try a different genre or try something crazy like using second person in a story or something like that. Um, I, I could do that in a 3,000 word short story and it doesn't. Don't you dare. <laughs> I might. I might now. I have give it before, to Nick to edit. Now. Yeah. Well, there was a great. I'll, just, I'll change it all to third person. <laughs> there was no, a great era of, uh, of sci fi where people were doing much shorter, like novella yeah. and shorter novels. And you could explore a whole bunch more ideas because you didn't need it to hang together for mm. 90,000 words. Mm. And there was all this cool stuff that you could do. And so I think, like Jim says, from a writing perspective, it's fun. Mm. Uh, The idea of anyone trying to find anything on my Amazon author page with 180 titles there Mm. uh, makes me wince. But Mm. uh, do you think, do you think maybe um, I, I agree that it would be difficult to keep straight at Amazon, but do you think this is something that'd be worth exploring for maybe like Kickstarter or Patreon or, or something like that? where you can give people a little chunk of what they're looking for uh, every month, you think maybe is that a viable thing? Yeah, I think so. Right. 
if I really do think that's the future of it, um, honestly, RA, because I think that's that's more buying into this whole subscription model that everything in our life is turning to. <laughs> I'm not pretty sure we're going to be able to fill up our car with subscri- subscription gasoline here pretty soon. I mean, it's just that's that's where we're going yeah. with it. Um, as far as short stories go, I mean, I, I love Dean um, and and his and his wife. Like they're just they're really cool, down to earth people, and they know their they know their business in and out. Um, I, I I wonder though if uh, out of touch is too strong a term, and I don't think they are out of touch. But I do think that there's some name recognition with their names. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with Dean Wesley Smith in this particular thing, I haven't done any research on this, so I could be completely wrong, but it seems like the most successful short story writers, um, have, have built up a name for themselves and their fans will read pretty much whatever they write. Um, it's not that their short stories are preferred to longer stories, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think the market is there for us people who aren't Dean Wesley Smith um, to, uh, to, to put a short story on Amazon um, unless it's a runaway. There's always the, 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 you know, closet bestseller, like that just happens to be a rocket ship to the moon. But the vast majority of time um, authors like us, indies, um, even traditionally published or whoever you are, but not super well known, maybe mid list um, publish a short story. And it sort of languishes in obscurity. If you've got a list, you can get some initial sales. I mean, I just did this with the novella uh, last week. And, uh, you know, I got the initial sales. And then it's now languishing in obscurity where I absolutely knew it was going to go. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, I, I kind of think, but like, you know, ask me 20 years from now after I've had so many long books and, and or full-length books and, and all that published. And maybe I've got a – hopefully I've got a name. People just read Nick Thacker because they like what I write. Um, then I think I can sell short stories a lot better. So let me ask you guys, when I was first um, looking into, you know, putting a box set together, right, of my titles, um, it, in my newbiness, I thought, oh, well, if I put this box set together, it'll eat into my other sales of my other books. And a lot of people like kind of smacked me around and said, you know, there's different people reading box sets than read like your single titles. Would you say that there's a uh, an audience for people that just want the short stuff potentially, or, or do you think that maybe that's a, a little too much to kind of think that there's anyone who's just like, Oh, give me 2000 words. And that's how I want to get down with my reading time. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there are absolutely, but I don't think that's the bulk of the demographics that Amazon's reaching in, in these other, any other bookstore, people who read books um, are reading books majority of the time, not short stories. Obviously there's exceptions, but that's my opinion. Mm. I think where Amazon can really come in and help us out is with data, as Jim's talked about before. Like the future is a discoverability engine that actually works. It's when um, I lay down at night and I read my half Kindle page before I'm asleep and Amazon knows how little I read at night um, and, and advertises to me a short story for that reason. Mm. That's in the genre, in the market that, that I read. Um, and and they, they take that data and say, hey, well, we know that Nick reads from this point to this point every, every day. Um, so we're going to advertise this at this point right before he starts reading. So that way I don't have to start a book that I'm going to fall asleep and have to reread that chapter the next night anyway because I've fallen asleep in the middle of it, you know? Mm. Yeah, and I guess uh, to your point, I think a lot of what he's doing is in his own uh, magazine, like you mentioned. And so I would guess that magazine readers are probably a different a different demographic than uh, novel readers. So, okay. 
let's go to this one. You know, I know that we've got a different story for number four, but I'm going to skip that one for now and just go to story five because I really just want to read this headline. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know we don't do a lot of craft on the show. That's not what this is about. But I was uh, hanging out on Reddit, uh, and I saw in the writing, um, our writing, someone said, and I quote, right, how to write intelligent characters while being dumb. And then the entire body of the message was, what kind of sorcery? So I want to pass that on to you guys. So Jim, you found Jim's handle on, on Reddit. It sounds like I think Jim, Jim asked cannot, me that same question a couple. You can't, you can't prove that's me. Hey Nick, Nick, how to write intelligent characters while being dumb. So all the responses are just like F. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Everybody wants to know. So as, as funny as this is, I think that there's a, uh, Something salient uh, to it for authors, because <laughs> I think that we often want to write things that we have no idea about. And so how do you how do you prevent your lack of knowledge from impeding on the stories that you want to tell other than like extensive Wikipedia? Is that a verb? It's a verb now. Wikipedia. I can tell you what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just um, I write insert science here and then I give it to Jim <laughs> and then he writes something that and I, Jim I guess posted makes on sense. Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> and I crowdsource it. <laughs> you know that that advice of um what was I just thinking about? Um the the advice that you only have to write what you know I think is one of those dangerous pieces of writing advice like kill your darlings is that, that it's not write what you know, you know, like if you've only, if you've never worked in an office, you can't write office characters. You, you have to write what you can reasonably affect, you know, what you can reasonably emulate. Um, I've never, I've never uh, gotten in a gunfight while in a helicopter that was crashing, but I've written that. And I think I wrote it reasonably well enough, you know, that I didn't get any poor reviews talk about the bad helicopter fight. Uh. It's just uh, you don't always have to go into – you can – what am I trying? I'm trying to see here that I hand wave a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can – physicist or write a nuclear physicist. You just have to basically put a person in a lab coat and then the characters will believe anything that person says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also – it's uh, one of my favorite quotes about writing is uh, the great thing about being an author is that unlike being a brain surgeon, you don't have to get it right the first time. <laughs> so you can spend a whole bunch of time. Like I've got all this time to brainstorm a conversation. And if I get into the middle of a conversation, I'm like, damn, I don't know what I would do here. I can just go for a run mm-hmm. and maybe I'll come up with the answer then, or maybe it'll be a week from now, or, you know, I've written a whole scene and it turns out that wasn't a, the right scene or my beta readers point out a plot hole. So you get redos at, at time lag. And so my characters are a lot smarter than me because partly no one wants to have a very long conversation full of hemming and hawing in a book. But like, also I get to make it seem like, I mean, they just come up with all that stuff on the spot and it took me months to plot it all down. Yeah. What writing is editing. Is that what we say? (laughs) Um, 
I mean, I would never advocate running unless you're being chased, but I think <laughs> not even then, dude, like, not even then. Not even I then. plant yeah, my just feet. Give up. You know what I mean? This is where I'm standing. This is where I'm dying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let the bullet do the running. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I agree with, with what's been said. The, I, I'll just add that, um, you know, I go about as far as I, I try to, okay. Tom Clancy, who is now dead. So I will not speak ill of the dead. Um, obviously is a better writer than I am and probably will be more famous than I'll ever be. But I couldn't get through a lot of his books because they're just so new, like detailed. There's just so much there. Um, you know, I, I read a book like airframe by Michael Crichton and I'm like, this is okay. Like it's about a plane crash, but then it's not really about a plane crash. It's about the technology. Right. Um, and that's not quite as exciting to me. So what I try to do is just insert, myself into the book as, as a reader would and say, at what point is this just going to get boring? Um, um, and so, and then I'll stop there when I'm writing, basically what that looks like is, um, here's an example. I just, uh, uh, saw an article that said scientists have now figured out how to hack a computer, um, by inserting malware into DNA. And then they had the, the system that was gene sequencing, read that and it opened uh, a portal to another universe or something. And so they were able to like, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It. I don't know. Right. But Magic all I have box. to do. Magic happens here. Uh, it's uh, well, in, in MIT Dean technology Wesley review. Magazine. <laughs> it was a short story. No, it's, it's uh yeah. And I'll, I'll link to that because it, it is a super cool article and I'm absolutely going to use it in my, in my fiction. And the way I'll do it is by essentially paraphrasing this article, you know, because these guys have already done the work of dumbing it down to a level that I can understand. Um, and I don't need to understand how they actually did it. I just need to know that it's possible and and make it sound believable that it's possible. Um, and so, and then I can just have an intelligent character be the person who does it. Right. Sorry, Pippa's making faces at me. So I got, no, no, I'm, I think that's, that's good. And it was, I was having a very similar point, which is, I mean, honestly, what they, the reader is looking for usually, I think is, to empathize with that character, be inspired by that character and their grit and their determination and, you know, what they're going through to get to that conclusion. And so I don't need to be able to shoot accurately in a crashing helicopter, but if I feel the sort of like gripping adrenaline pounding feel of Jim's helicopter crash scene, then that's cool. Mm. I don't feel like I need to, you know, go out and, do a whole bunch of pistol training repetitively forever. Mm. But, but you, that is definitely, that's Good. usually a better option than running. Yeah, always, <laughs> where I don't always have a helicopter. Fair. <laughs> oh, I meant pistol shooting. You can always go shoot a pistol at something. Literally all, always. At I, something. I don't always have a pistol either. <laughs> oh. So for my, for, for my money, I, I remember a long time ago, I was listening to a podcast and, um, I want to give the person proper credit for this. It might have been Sean Platt or Johnny, Sean, and Dave, them. I don't know. But one of them was talking about something similar, and he said something to the effect of, uh, you're the director, and you can show as much or as little as you want, and so you don't actually have to show the entire autopsy. You can just show like the aftermath and just kind of weave it all together and have it make sense. And uh, so I do that sometimes when I run into problems with technology. I got one character who's famously like, look, I don't care. 
You know what I mean? And someone's like, no, listen, I did this encryption and this. And he's like, I don't understand it. And I don't care. Don't tell me. And she keeps trying. And he's like, I'm not interested. And so that saves me from having to figure that out myself. And, uh, and it's wonderful because I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And there, there are real people who understand this stuff. And so all you have to do is just put that character in there. Like, well, let's go to the MIT technology lab and uh, ask this person in a white lab coat, like Jim was saying. And okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, we all know that those people exist. So why can't they be in our books as well? Telling us. And then you just hit enter, put in three dots, enter, and then say the next day after they already <laughs> learned everything there was to know about neurophysics. Or my favorite, my favorite little break starter. And it's done. Sure enough. Comma. <laughs> <laughs> right the computer had been hacked by DNA. <laughs> Look it up, bitches. It's real. <laughs> and, Best footnote. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good time. There's the secret sauce. There, I hope that Reddit person is listening because that's yes. That's good. Also, you, there's a lot to be said for dumb characters. Mm, mm, there's a lot to be said for dumb yeah, characters. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they can all be dumb. Maybe I'll just lord over them like an intelligent supercomputer. And honest to God, the vast majority of my friends through some fluke of fate are like physicists and mm. chemists. And uh, there's uh, smart and wise are two very different things. So mm. uh, smart characters is a is a broad category <laughs> and yeah, usually compensated for in exquisite dumbness and some other characteristic. Yeah, because I would find that like people are usually really only super smart at one or two things, and the rest of the time they're relatively normal about other things. You know, like they can practice law, but they can't chop up a, a onion to cook dinner. It so I don't know. Lack so in any event, <laughs> let's see. We will uh, we will pull this thing together because we're getting to be about a good time for us. So you guys always know. Uh, I like to hear something good at the end of this episode, something that's going to just warm my cockles. So somebody please tell me something good about your week. My cockles are in jeopardy. Mm. I had a lovely vacation last week with my family. We went to stay near Red Feather Lakes in Colorado and did some uh, snow tubing, ice skating. It was fun. Nice. That's That's awesome. That's awesome. It was super cold there or what? Well, I mean, it's Colorado, so if the sun's shining, you're fine. It doesn't matter what the temperature gauge says. <laughs> That's how it works here. I, I can yeah. test that. That's a man who has been beaten down by the elements. You <laughs> <laughs> can strengthen by those elements. <laughs> yeah. As long as I got a fresh squirrel to eat, doesn't matter what the weather is. Right. Yeah, it's just like Alaskan bush people out here. The yeah. like that in the mountains. Pouch of pemmican and I'm good to go. <laughs> All right. Well... Do you guys have any alibis or anything that you want to make up from the show today? No <laughs> mulligans, circle backs. No, seeing as there are none. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm Ari McGee for all of us at author news weekly. Uh, thanks for listening. Come back and check us again next week. And this meeting is over. <laughs>